Corey, welcome along. It's the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday morning. Good morning, Parik. Good morning and happy Easter. Happy Easter happy, to the happy, listeners. Happy Holy uh, Saturday. Saturday, great. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I sometimes make the error, you know, really Easter Saturday. I sometimes tell the next Saturday. Tut, but anyway, tut, tut, tut. we are in the Easter bank holiday weekend. absolutely. And, uh, very much, I think, a weekend where... Uh, we have family around and we also really start to think about gardening and if we have a little extra time and I know on Monday when uh, my diary frees up a small bit I plan to get out in the garden. Good on you. Yeah. And what are you going at? Well that is an excellent <laughs> question. There is a bit of paving has been purchased recently. Oh, good, good, and, good. And uh, I'm going to see if I can't well start a project. I don't know whether I'll be able to do it on my own or not but we'll we'll, we'll find out. And the weather's promised yeah. really, really good. It's actually I was listening to it Met Aaron this morning. April has been has been one of the driest uh, on record this this particular April and uh, you know people walking around local lakes will see the water level has dropped quite sig- significantly and I was just thinking on the way up this morning one of the things to remind listeners about plants and containers so if you've got a nice patio planter with a standard uh, bay tree or a foot tinny or nice boxwood planter check it because it'll be quite dry so we've had very very little heavy rain mm. we've had small amount of rain last night but and m- maybe uh, tonight but really the le- moisture levels are quite low so check plants particularly in, in tubs containers um, it's a good time to water them and wash them heavily I often say you're not watering the plant you're watering the soil and bear that in mind that it's not a light sprinkling that the plants need they actually need a very heavy soaking so wet the soil rather than the actual plant itself right. um, so plants in tubs and containers newly planted plants so if listeners have put in newly planted hedges or large shrubs or trees in the last five to six weeks keep an eye on those because again the soil is quite dry and it's not necessarily that we've had a huge amount of sunlight because the wind dries plants it's exactly like hanging a sheet out on the on the clothesline the wind is sufficient to dry plants it doesn't need heat and sunlight so check plants in general newly planted plants and particularly plants in tubs and containers that you might have around the house and home check those this is the time um April, of course, signals the uh, the word in Latin, I think, relates to the opening and the opening of leaves and the opening of flower buds. And, you know, we were chatting just off air. Yeah, that so I, I know the word aperture, sure, which yeah. I suppose, that, now I could be way off the mark, but that sounds, uh, well, that does mean opening, yeah. um, I suppose, particularly from photography. But April, aperture, opening. The opening of the leaves, buds, anyway, and yes. really the start of spring. And we've seen the particularly the spring flowering plants like the cherries, magnolias, the rhododendrons, azaleas, really bursting into flower. And they're actually in great condition this year. The amount of flower buds on many plants, pear trees, even common things like berberus and forsythii, the common gorse that we're seeing in the, you know, in all the agricultural Mm. fields is absolutely stunning this year. And I think it's due a lot to the relatively good autumn we've had, but also the temperatures have been relatively cool through March and April, and that has helped to keep the plants in flower that little bit longer. Um, So it's certainly a great start to the spring. Because of the lower moisture levels, it's also great planting weather. Soil condition is in really good um, condition now. It's not heavy and sticky. So people that are thinking of putting in new lawns, maybe planting new trees and shrubs, putting in new hedges, the planting of things in general, the soil conditions are ideal. So if you want to do a new hedge or a little flower board or a bed, the easiest thing is to go the lawn more, just trim off the area that you want to plant, spray it off with a bit of weed-free 360. That'll kill any weeds that might be there without contaminating the soil. And then you're good to plant. And over the weekend and into next week, it's actually very dry as well. So it's absolutely great planting weather. Speaking of planting, it's hanging basket time. Are we? We're there. We're there. Okay. It has arrived. 
So if you want, certainly if you want a bit of colour for Easter, there are lots of plants, and I, I featured some of them last week with Viv in terms of things like the Sinetii and the Osteospernums, lovely yellow plant called Uriops. I mentioned one, um, a Gazinia, which is lovely as well, the lovely orange flowering Gazinias and training Campanulus. So there's lots of plants that are giving instant colour at the moment. Um, they're in bloom. They're great for a bit of colour, say, over Easter if you've got family and friends yeah. at home and you just want to brighten something up. Um, so there's lots of those available. But also we got to think of summertime and the trailing petunias and the fuchsias and the geraniums, the white bacopa, all of those plants are now available for planting in hanging baskets, window boxes, containers. So again, if you've got a spare hour over the weekend, take out the old hanging basket, throw out the old dead moss out of it, you know, put in a, a liner, get a good quality compost Add some slow-release fertiliser to it, a little bit of the swell gel to get the moisture in, and then start banging in the plants. And so it's things like the trailing geraniums, trailing fuchsias, uh, maybe an upright geranium in the very centre, and then three or four plants, you know, in, in clusters around the 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 edge of the basket, mm-hmm. trailing lobelia right at the very edge. And once you've planted, a good tip is to sow some nasturtium seed, the trailing nasturtium, the little dwarf nasturtium. Varieties like Jewel of the Nile or Alaska has got lo- lovely variegated foliage and they just trail. You just simply stick the seed into the around the the um, the the, re- the edge of the pot or the hanging basket. basket. Just push them in, maybe five or six seed. They'll germinate over the next couple of weeks and again they'll add lots of colour then from June onwards. Size is important with hanging baskets, so don't end up with a small little 12-inch basket. Try and get a 14, 16-inch. Get a large basket. It'll be easier to water. It'll give you far more colour and you, it'll just sustain itself longer into the autumn. You'll get the plant flower, the plants flowering right through till September, October. So a really good time to plant them up. Stick them into maybe a greenhouse conservatory, a patio door, or if they're going to be outside, put them in a nice south-facing sheltered area, okay. out of the wind, are out we, of the yeah, chill. I was going to say, are we are we getting are we still getting a little frost tonight? Yeah, are we down? Maybe a slight bit of grass okay. frost, but we generally don't see frost from now on. Yeah. And now, having said that, if if frost is promised, certainly cover them or bring them in for that night. But they can certainly sit outside. The handiest thing is to get a, an old pot and sit the hanging basket on the top of the pot once it's planted, so it keeps it up off the ground. Mm. It's easier to water, and it just sit there in the sun starting to, to, to grow on. And if you're using trailing plants like trailing petunias, fuchsias, pinch them back. So after planting, just pinch back the ends of the, ends of the shoots. That hel- helps to fatten up the plants and you get a lot more flower. And then as we go into early May, start liquid feeding them every fortnight. And from about the middle of May, you can hang them up and there should be tons of colour then from June onwards. So really, this is the time for, um, for planting Instant colour at the moment, if you wish, for Easter, but also there's lots of the summer. This is the time of year now for doing all the hanging baskets and okay. window boxes and just having that a little bit earlier. And we were uh, we were talking about um, the the cherry blossoms that have really come into we uh, force over and, and into into a flower, flower. I suppose is the word I'm looking for over the last sorry my brain has died force this is morning good as yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah yeah well fla- the force, force themselves into flower flower <laughs> but they're really in abundance at they the are. moment is they're what I'm trying to say and uh, we were both commenting I had said to Porik before we had started um, that I had seen the most amazing white cherry blossom uh, during the week and I couldn't quite remember where I knew it was on the road and Pork has uh, we've identified that it's in French Park it is on yeah, the left hand we side we were both on that road during the week I admired yeah, it myself yeah, and I always really do really stunning in a garden um, yeah. so if you're just on as the you're road, coming out of yeah. French Park heading for Castle Bar yeah. on the left hand side there's a house there with a beautiful it's a variety called Prunus Charité 
and uh, it's a relatively small cherry in terms of overall height it does spread out so we often call it the flat top cherry or the tabletop cherry because it grows I suppose in height maybe 10 to 12 feet but it spreads nearly as wide so it's a lovely plant for a large lawn you can nearly stand in under the plant and the, the flowers hang down and yeah, they're quite it's, large. It almost looks like this huge umbrella at the Ex- moment. Exactly, that's mm. a great description, yeah. So like this big umbrella with the lovely white flowers, pure white flowers. So that's a tree called Prunus Charite, really spectacular, easy to grow, ideal for, you know, medium to large size garden. If you had a big lawn and you wanted to kind of, or if you had a big corner in the lawn and you wanted to put something spectacular, Prunus Charite is a lovely plant. There's also a really nice one called um, Royal Burgundy. So Prunus Royal Burgundy, which has the red double pink flowers that you see on the common cherry Prunus Canzan but it's got red foliage as well so the, the foliage is the colour of wine Royal Burgundy so that really rich red wine colour it stays on it obviously from now through till September, October and then in October it goes a lovely orange colour red and orange for the autumn so a very, very spectacular autumn colour I think I put it up on my Twitter page um, a couple of days ago uh, so it's up there if, if you go to Porrick Horkin on Twitter you'll see the picture of Royal Burgundy really nice cherry because cherries are beautiful when they're in flower mm. but then you're back I to the green you. leaves so yeah. Royal Burgundy gives you that lovely red foliage then for the for the summer period um, the other key area for planting cottage garden plants uh, things like I featured the Aquilegia last week Granny's Bonnet we got oh. a great reaction to that actually people brought people back to their to, to their, their grandmas show, yeah. and their mothers and all remember that plant um, so that's Aquilegia really nice plant but common things like lupins asters stillbays the lovely hostas scented lilies a great plant called Rubecchia, which flowers the whole summer long, a really great perennial plant. By cottage garden plants, we mean plants that are going to come back year after year. Peony roses, which we're going to flower now for May. Again, an old favourite plant. This is the time to plant those in the garden and plant them generally in clusters of three. So three hostas together, three astilbes together, three lupins. You get a more clumped and, and denser effect from them. But for listeners that have them in their garden at the moment, this is the time of year to feed them. So hostas are coming through the ground now very strongly. Mm-hmm. Watch for the slugs with them. So put down a little bit of slug control, but also start feeding them now and give them a granulated feed. Something like the Osmo Pro 6 would be ideal, particularly when we're getting the kind of bit of dew at night time and some showers. It washes it in very quickly and the plants respond to it. And in general, the feeding of plants occurs in April and May because that's when they're actively growing. So as the cherry goes out of flower, it'll actively come back into growth, and that's the time to feed it. And plants in general, be they hedges or trees or shrubs or cottage garden plants, feed them in April and early May. There's no point feeding them in June and July. The growth is kind of finished at that stage. Rhubarb, again, this is the time to feed it. Pick it and feed it now, this time of year, and you encourage lots of new growth coming on. And again, if it's in a check it that it's not too dry, Going back to the, the what I mentioned, rhubarb needs lots of moisture when it's actively growing. So check the area is not too dry. If it is, put on the hose. Leave the hose running for maybe half an hour. Now that we're not paying for <laughs> water. <laughs> now that we're not paying for our water. But, <clears throat> but generally when you're watering plants, all joking aside, generally when you're watering plants, you're better to let the, put a little sprinkler on or let the hose run for 10, 15, 20 minutes. Water the soil, not the plant. Right. This is really the Isn't point I'm making. Maximise uh, the, the water that you're using. Hedging plants in general, feed those as well. 
Um, good time to actually sow bee-friendly plants. We've, again, we've got a lot of interest in that in the last number of weeks. Um, so people look thinking of putting in bee-friendly hedges or things like even wild flowers that you can sow this time of year that will be there in flower June and July, August um, for our bees. The veg garden, again, lots to be done. So again, this is the time when we're planting particularly main crop potatoes like um, Curse Pink and Rooster, Records, Satanta, Golden Wonders. They're all put in at this time of year. And again, the soil conditions. Now, for listeners that haven't put in the earlies, you can still plant them. Um, so it's still very much that sense of planting uh, all the vegetables, the Brussels sprouts, the broccolis, all of those can be put out now. They're available in little plants. Mm-hmm. Stick them in the garden. They'll be ready in six or eight weeks' time. Um, so they're the kind of key things, really, okay. that people can it's be doing quite, over. So, so you're kind of spoiled for choice, really, in terms of whether you want to go in terms of flowers and colour or shrubs garden, or the vegetables. Herbs, um, so all of that can be planted this time of year. There's a real sense of that, the, the sowing of seed, the sowing of the, the summer flowering bulbs, the gladiola, the dahlias can all be planted now. And also then just the, the you know, whether it's re-sowing a new lawn or planting a new hedge, the soil conditions are absolutely perfect. And the temperatures, 9 to 11 today, 12 to 14, 14 tomorrow, growth's going to start very, very, very quickly now. Lovely. We're going to start with flowers though, and sweet peas specifically. My sweet peas are about nine inches high in the glass house in pots. Can I plant them out now, or is it too cold, and would you have any tips on growing sweet peas? <laughs> okay, well, well worth growing anyway, that's the first thing. Mm. Great cut, cut flower, great for great for scent. So, pinch them back, so take off the tops of the shoots, take them off with a scissors, or just pinch them back yourself. Plant them, the, the weather conditions are ideal at the moment, and sweet pea are hardy annuals, so they'll tolerate any little bit of frost, or cold weather we get so put them out do put a little bit of slug control down with them and sweet peas because they grow from nothing to six or eight feet they need plenty of nutrition so add some garden compost or some farm manure or or some organic matter and get a couple of bags of it and dig it into the soil before planting them space the plants about six maybe eight inches apart and that's it put up a little bit of support for them and on they'll go but do pinch them back because that increases the number of stems and increases the number of flowers you're going to get okay now i have a rhubarb in a pot for two years but it's not doing well is it better planted out in the garden the soil isn't great here all right, okay, well... So that's, the they reason, are, that's the reason it's in the pot. It's in the pot, yeah. yeah. Well, look, at the, the rhubarb is better out of doors. It's a hungry, greedy feeder, so it needs um, plenty of nutrition in the soil and plenty of moisture, like I mentioned. So I would ideally plant it. If you could just even prepare a square metre for the plant, add a lot of organic matter into it, um, garden compost again, farm manure, mushroom compost, anything like that. You can actually buy it in bags now. Just dig it into the soil add some fertiliser to that and transplant the rhubarb plant into that area. Water as well. It'll do perfectly fine for you. It'll take another year or maybe two years to settle in before you start picking it. But uh, just so prepare the area, but it's rhubarb is better in the soil. Okay. It's very difficult to grow in pots. And when you're transplanting it from a pot to a soil, is that is that a difficult thing? No, no, no. no. Just, you and, can and, kind of just bang it in. Yeah, just plant it in. Like any, any plant in a container, the roots have been contained or they've been trained to grow a circular so mm. transplanting it is no problem whatsoever. The important thing really is to improve the soil very well. Lots of organic matter dug into the soil. So enrich the soil really heavily, then plant it in, water it well and give it a year at least to grow before picking. Now, can you ask for when do I feed strawberries and what's best to use? Okay, well, strawberries shouldn't be fed until after flowering. So allow them to flower. If you, fl- if you feed them too early, strawberries will react to the feed by producing lots of new growth at the expense of flower and fruit. So we keep them on a diet 
until okay. until they <laughs> actually they flower. Now, the flower buds will be formed very, very soon. So typically they flower in May. The bees will work, do their magic. They'll, once you see the fruit beginning to form, and they're still green and just beginning to form, that's the time to start feeding strawberries. And feed them at a high potash feed. So a tomato fertiliser is ideal, or Osmo Universal, something like that, every three weeks would be perfectly fine and water them well. So leave them alone, let them flower, let the bees do their magic, and then start to feed them from the first week of May right through till mid-June. Um, what plants would form a strong windproof hedge? I live in a bleak hillside area but want nothing to grow too high to hide my view. Okay, well lots of the hedges you can trim to shape and trim to height. If you want something hardy, things like the blackthorn is in flower at the moment, it makes a terrific hedge. Whitethorn, which will be flowering in May, another super hedge. Both are deciduous, they do shed their leaves, but they form a good strong thicket and, and make an excellent hedge if trimmed on a regular basis. You've also got plants like, particularly if it's very exposed, plants like Iliagnus Silver Edge has a very good tough leaf. It's evergreen, silver foliage. Um, you can keep it to four, five, six feet, whatever you, height you want, and keep it maintained. So whitethorn, blackthorn, maybe a mixture of, of some of the hedgerow plants like blackthorn and viburnum and gelder rose, um, rose rugosa, the wild rose, fuchsia, they all do very well in exposed areas and kind of can make a, an informal hedgerow type effect that can be kept trimmed and kept neat and tidy. So it's kind of a country, country, country sides, style. Yeah. A bit of honeysuckle mixed in. There's plenty of those type alger that you could mix together and, and create that kind of natural, particularly if it's in a rural area, it'll look very natural and you can keep it trimmed to five, six, seven feet, whatever you want. It'll encourage the bees into the garden, the birds into the garden. Um, and aesthetically, it'll look right, and particularly in a rural area. So, Ili Agnes, if you want something evergreen, mm-hmm. and then consider a white thorn, black thorn, or a mixture of different hedgerow plants, and there's lots of those available. Lovely. Uh, now, I have apple trees sown about 12 years. Got a great crop the first year, but after that, very little. What am I doing wrong? No. <laughs> Well, 12 Good years patience, on. My God. <laughs> That's one thing, absolutely. So look at the trick to to, um, to get uh, apple trees. First of all, I'd, I'd just inquire, are the trees flowering well? So that's the first thing. If they're not flowering well, obviously there's going to be, without flower, there's no fruit. So to encourage flowering on, on fruit trees, a dressing of potash. So that can be in the form of a rose fertilizer. So go to your local garden centre, get a, a bag of rose feed, apply it now and apply it again in May. There's high potash levels in that, which helps to reduce the vigour of the apple tree and encourage it into flower. If they're flowering well, then it's a pollination problem. And sometimes if you plant trees, apple trees, they flower at different times of the year. So something like Beauty of Bath flowers at a different time to James Grieve. So you're not getting the pollen at the same time. And a week can make a huge difference. So if the flowers are not in flower at the same time, the bees can't move from one flower to the other. So you often get varieties that are flowering at the moment and other varieties that won't flower till mid-May. Some varieties like Brambley seedling is what we call a triploid. So it actually doesn't produce uh, viable pollen. So it cannot fertilise any other apple tree. Only, of Only its own, its it own doesn't kind. even can't even f- oh. fer- fertilize itself. It needs a partner to fertilize. Oh. So Bramley seedling, which is the great cooking apple, needs pollinators. So you have to make sure you've got a James Grieve or something like Katie mixed in with the Bramley or Grenadier, which is another great cooking apple. So depending on, so check when they're in flower that all the trees are flowering at the same time and that. Um, you know, you, you, the bees are working between the flowers. So if you've got some that flower early 
and some that flower late, you need to introduce a couple of new varieties. So James Grieve, for me, is one of the best pollinators. It's an excellent apple in its own right, but it's a great pollinator of other trees because it flowers for such a long period and it flowers right in the middle of the apple season. So look for that one. Also, some of the ornamental crabs, golden hornet or uh, malice called gorgeous, they're ornamental trees. For example, Bulmers, the, uh, the guys that make the cider, mm-hmm. they bring in the crab apple trees into the orchards during the flowering period to introduce extra pollen and to get a heavier set onto the apple trees. So they'll wheel them in in pots, big pots. They'll leave them there whilst they're flowering. The bees will come in and work between the the ornamental crab apple and the Bramley seedling or whatever other variety of, of tree they're growing and they the, the cross-pollinate. Oh. So it's, it's an extra way of getting a heavier fruit crop. So it's important to have different varieties um, because it's very unusual for 12 years that they haven't fruited. And if they fruited in their first year, it may be that the, the listener bought them whilst they were in flower. They could have been pollinated in the garden centre uh, before you, so they may have bought them with the fruit on them. So look at my advice really is the key thing with apples is to feed them with a high potash feed and to make sure that they flower together and let the bees will work their magic then between them. Okay, great. Uh, beech hedge, planted about five years ago. It's filling in nicely. Great. Uh, when and with what should I feed it? Do I need to feed my green laurel as well? Well, you only feed laurel if it's if it's anemic, if it's gone a bit yellow and a bit hungry looking, it's got a bit bet and battered over the winter. By all means, you could give it a feed. But normally laurel is tough, it's robust, it's easy to grow if anything grows too well yeah. and people are trying to prune you back. So if your laurel is a bit anemic, by all means, put on a little bit of the Osmo tree and shrub feed and that'll green it up. Beech doesn't come into leaf until the end of April, early May. So it's just beginning to break bud. And again, with the cooler temperatures, it's a little bit slower this year. So it's a great time to feed it. It's also a great time if there's any weeds or any grass underneath the beech hedge to get rid of those before it comes into leaf. Um, And you can either put on a a spray like weed free or you can get out the garden hoe and just tidy it up before you put on the fertiliser. So again, a good time to put on a feed on beech. And again, use something like the Osmo. It'll green it up within a couple of you know, a couple of weeks. Now, I'm just after planting a hedge of strong red robins, right. lots of new shoots on the top. A neighbour said to cut them all back. What do you advise and what food should I give? Right, well, Fortinia red robin is, is that lovely plant that produces the lovely red foliage. As a hedge, it can be a bit, um, it's not as lush and as heavy as laurel. So it can be a bit thin. And it can be a bit scraggy looking it can sometimes. Be, it can, and that's down to the way it's pruned. The more you prune it, the thicker it gets. So the neighbour is correct. I would trim it back, tip it back, even though it seems counterproductive that you're cutting back some of the lovely red foliage. After planting, I would trim back maybe six or eight inches of the Fortinia, reduce its height, reduce its its bulk as well, give it a feed as well, and that'll help to thicken it up. And the more you trim Fortinia red robin, even in the middle of the summer, if you give it a light trim, the lovely red colour comes back again. But you're also helping to thicken the hedge, hedge, which is very important, particularly with Fortinia, because it tends to, as you say, it can get a bit scraggy if it's not pruned on a regular basis and fed on a regular basis. So yes, trim it back now, feed it again in June, give it a light trimming again, feed it again, and that'll help to thicken it up and form a very solid hedge. Now, what was the name of the plant for the grave you spoke about last week? Is it in flower now? It is. It was in flower last week. <laughs> so I hope they're still in flower. Um, it was a little plant called Gazinia and I was telling the listeners that I actually planted on a grave last year. Mm-hmm. I found it very, very good because it's very low growing. It's, um, it's The leaf is very succulent-like or 
uh, coarse in its texture, texture, so it, it tends to tolerate the wind very well. So particularly in exposed spots, it does extremely well. But it grows very, very low to the ground like a carpet or it will trail over the edge of a bed as well. But it produces these fantastic apricot-coloured flowers. They're huge. They're about the size of a a cup, the top of a cup, so about three to four inches in, in diameter and um, with this bright apricot colour that contrasts very well against the dark green foliage. And gazinias are, they're Mediterranean plants so they tend to do very well where the soil is dry, where it's sunny. So again, in areas that you mightn't be visiting as often and war, you know, yeah. being, being able to water and feed the plants, they tend to grow on neglect. So it's a very, very good plant. Grows gr- across the ground. It generally comes into flower now and flowers through to September, October. Now it does need a bright, open spot. Um, and once you have that, it's a very, very simple plant to grow. Yeah. So that's, it was a plant called Gazinia. Yeah. It's apricot coloured. It's hardy. You can plant it out of doors now. It's just beginning to flower. And again, it'll flower for the summer and perfect for an area like that where you mightn't be visiting as often yeah. and so plant it give it a good watering and when you do visit obviously water it and give it a feed but apart from that it'll, it'll it's a no-nonsense plant and very easy to grow it kind of looks after itself it does yeah yeah, yeah. now we, uh, we have weeds growing on the patio just starting okay. what do we spray on them please well you can get one of the proprietors and this is the time of year i suppose weeds are just beginning mm. to come back now and they're responding to the good weather so you can get one of the proprietary path weed killer. So um, there's, there's plenty of them on the mar- market. Um, Hytrol do one. Um, path and, and uh, path weed free. Path free. Path free is one. So there's lots of ones. Go into your local garden centre or hardware store. Ask one for specifically for paving or gravelled areas. Mix it up. Apply it. It'll work within three or four days. And most of them have a residual weed killer as well, which helps to prevent the weeds from Come germinating back. coming back. Yeah. Now, I know we discussed the uh, seed tapes from the Sutton's range, I think. Oh, we did, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, somebody's wondering about what vegetable seeds are available. Is it just the carrots and when can we plant them? No, no, there's a there's a whole wide range. So, these are the, just to remind listeners, I brought them in mm. probably three weeks yeah. ago. And these are the Sutton tapes. So, they're seed that's impregnated into a special tape that's biodegradable. And what, it, I suppose, it, it saves the need for the thinning of particularly root crops like carrots, parsnips, radishes on all of those. Mm. So you simply just put the tape down on the ground, cover it with soil, they germinate, they grow and, and there's very little if no thinning needed, required whatsoever. So carrots are obviously the obvious one that are there. There are parsnips from memory, beetroot, radish, um, I think rocket is available in, in the range as well. There's quite a number of, particularly all the root crops. So radishes, beetroot, parsnip, carrots, all of those are available. All the ones that you generally require thinning are available in the... And it's a very simple way to sow. You literally just roll, roll, roll the, out. the tape out. I think it's six metres of tape, if memory serves me right, is in the packet. So it's, it does quite a big area. And, and you can sow the tape at various stages. Uh, do, do, do they come with herbs in them? Or is it, is it, just, is it just... I think Rocket, I think rocket is available from okay. it. Um, I'll check it out when I go back to okay, the store. Sorry. But there's, there's certainly a good range. There's certainly maybe eight to ten varieties of seed available in the Sutton's range under that tape uh, method. But particularly the root crops. And it saves that just that need for thinning. And particularly with carrots, if you're thinning them, obviously you're excreting the scent, you're bringing the carrot root fly, mm, all that okay, kind of stuff. Okay. So it saves that. And great for kids as well. Well, because it's very tactile. Yeah. 
you know, it's not small itty bitty seeds. Yeah. You can they actually can see the tape. It's you can very, roll yeah. it out. It's, it's it's quite visible. Yeah. Um, and we plant them now or sow them very, now various times. Yeah. Year. No, you can you can break up the tape into bite sized chunks if you want. So you can sow half the area, three meters say of of carrots now, and do it again in in three or four weeks time. So you treat it exactly like normal seed. It's just that the seed has been impregnated into that special biodegradable tape. So you just simply just roll it out, cover it with soil, water it and the germinate. But the spacing then is correct. Suttons have actually spaced the seed for you. So, so you don't get this bungee. So a lot of that hard work done already. Exactly, exactly. Now, I have a steep bank in the garden that's tufted mow. Could I sow wildflowers into this area? I want to make it easier to maintain. Yeah, and generally areas like that where you've got slopes and banks or septic tanks or awkward corners, generally we advise planting those areas because, you know, they can be a nuisance to cut and, and um, a pain to mow because they're just so difficult. So on slopes and banks, it's a great idea to put some wildflowers. So the steps would be to, to trim off the grass as, as tightly as possible, spray it off with a bit of the Weed Free 360. That'll work within five or six days, within a week. And then you can simply sow the seed, mix the wildflower seed with a bit of compost and put it onto the area. They'll germinate and start to grow. Now, it'd be advisable just to ruffle up the the soil as well uh, a little bit just so that the seed makes contact with it. And the the wildflowers will germinate then through May, June and come into flower kind of August, September for you. The other thing you could consider doing is putting some ground covering plants. Mm -hmm. So rather than just having... um, and rather than just having uh, wildflowers, you could. There are plenty of ground covering plants. I actually I was in Dublin during the week, and I passed the um, the council offices, Dublin County Council oh, offices, yeah. and they've got a fantastic bed right at the very front. It's up by the by the keys. Hello, oh yeah. As yeah, you're walking up by the keys, so I was walking up from Houston. Side, yeah. yeah, exactly along there, and they've done a beautiful job planting ground covering plants. So they had vinca. Uh, probably a hundred of vinca plants planted together. It was that good. I took my camera out oh, right, <laughs> and okay. took a shot. So it, it. it was very good. Now I thought it was. You know, you try to explain this to people, yeah. but here it was visually. So a really good example of ground covering plants on a slope. So they'd used um, from memory. They'd used the periwinkle, the vinca, uh, just a big cluster of them together, and they're all growing in together, or just in flower. They looked really well, and they had heliborus, which flowered through the winter. Big clusters the, the, of heliborus. The winter rose. The, yeah, yeah, the, the, the uh, winter rose, yeah. Um, uh, so they had loads of those. They'd just gone out of flowers. They would have been lovely through Christmas. Uh, from what else did they have? They had another couple of, um, they'd see an otis from memory as well. A couple of plants like that planted en masse on the slope, no grass visible, and it just looked really well. And lots, they picked the plants so that obviously you'd have stuff flowering in winter. You'd have flowered the vinca flowers from now through to most of the summer. Mm. Um, you could have plants for autumn, some of the cotoneasters that would give autumn colour. Um, so really well done. So perfect on a bank and a slope like this listener has. Get rid of the grass, get rid of the weeds and then plant in some ground covering plants in a cluster. And that just covers the area. It saves the need for mowing and just tidies the whole area and up. And aesthetically, it looks yeah, better. I was going to say, and obviously visually impressive. Yeah. I'll stick a couple of those pictures Do. up actually on my Facebook page after the show. Uh, I think I have them on the phone there somewhere. Okay, lovely. A couple of questions, Porg. People, the slugs are obviously starting to get very, very active and lots of new growth on <coughs> plants. Of so course, they're yeah. uh, feasting happily. Um, course, yeah. So... Different options. People wondering, are there, I suppose, slightly more um, environmentally friendly options? That we're not necessarily, we don't necessarily want to kill all the slugs. No, no, we don't. No, no, we don't. We want to control them. But also, some of the slug uh, pellets, the old traditional. The blue ones. The, yeah, the traditional slug pellets has a thing called methyl hydrate, which dehydrates the slug. And 
um, if birds eat the slugs, they can be affected okay, with that so as well. So, <clears throat> if you want a safe, safer option, go for one called uh, Slug Go. It's an organic-based um, slug pellet. It actually looks the same as the ordinary ones, but it's got the organic symbol on it. And it's got a completely different active ingredient in it that doesn't damage birds and wildlife. So it only affects the slug. Right. And it, it, the, the pellet is actually made from natural materials, um, which are biodegradable. So if the slug doesn't eat the pellet, it disintegrates over time and goes back into the soil. So that's a very safe one to use. It's slug go from memory. It's in a green bottle um, and it's got the organic symbol on it. It's made by Neerdorf. Um, they're a Belgium company. They do quite a lot of that organic stuff. So that's a very safe one to use. It's very effective as well. What, what we find is if the slug eats the pellet, they actually bury into the soil. They hide themselves. Oh, into the soil. Right. That's the effect it has on them. And they, so you don't get this slime and mess all over the place. Um, so look for that one. That's one called Slug Go. Uh, it's very safe to use. Uh, it has got the organic symbol on it as well and great for in wildlife areas. Uh, <clears throat> I have a jade plant for jade four plant, years yeah. now, growing well. Uh, when do I feed it and when can I put it out for summer? Talk to us a bit about jade plant. I don't know. The do jade plant. Plant? Have we had that on the programme before? We may have. It's often called the money plant as well. Oh, okay. It's crassula. Crassula is the botanical name from memory um, of the jade plant. It's one of these really easy plants to grow. It's um, it's a succulent, so it's rubber, rubbery by texture, small leaves, um, and this kind of, it grows like a small tree for all effect, like a little bonsai tree. But a great plant if you wanted something really easy to grow. Um, it thrives on neglect. So it's a bit like aloe vera. It's a li- little bit like um, Sansevieria, the mother-in-law's tongue, those kind of plants that mm. are very, very simple to grow. That if, if you overwater and overfeed them and repot them too often, they die because that's what they dislike. So they want the reverse of that, which is little watering, little feeding and very little repotting. Um, so... Ideally, they want to be in a bright location, so inside a patio window, somewhere bright, um, ideally. Now, they will tolerate low light levels as well. And and from memory, they have a a connection. um, They may have come from China. Uh, They certainly have a connection with China, and you'd often see them in some of the Chinese restaurants will often have a jade plant. Um, But anyway, simple plant to grow, great in a conservatory, great in a patio window. Can you put them out? You can put them out for the summer. Yeah. I wouldn't put it out until certainly the middle of June. And if you get a wet summer, you need to bring it back in because moisture will actually kill it. Overwatering will rot the roots of the plant. So if you're putting it out outside, south facing, sheltered area, and ideally in the overhang of, you know, close to a wall where it won't be getting the the deluge of rain if we do get very heavy wet weather. So yes, it can be put out for the summer period, brought back before frost, maybe in late August, early September. So put out for a short period during the summer. But really it's an indoor plant, Plant. very easy to grow. Repot it every five to six years. Eventually it gets too big. (laughs) That's what people do. You know, it's beginning to topple over and people generally get rid of it and start a new plant again. Or you can take a little cutting from the plant and start it off again, unless you've got plenty of space for it. So it's one of those easy to grow. It's called the jade plant or the money plant. Um, but it's really a house plant. It's a house, Oh, it is a house plant, yeah. yeah. It won't tolerate outdoor conditions. for un- It will for a short period, but it won't live out of doors all year round. It's frost sensitive and our wet seasons will just murder it, drown it. Now, I'm moving house. Okay. Uh, can I move going? my ro- rose trees and my lilies? I don't want to leave them after me. I have them for a long time. Okay, well, 
roses are in growing at the moment, yeah. so I mean, digging them up now is not the best. Ideally, if this was done back in February and March, the answer would have been yes. If you dug them up, put them into pots, and uh, put them into a good quality compost. Now, having said all that. The lilies, I would definitely dig them up because they're grown from a bulb or a root and they can be lifted, put into pots and transplanted straight away. So they'll lift no problem. With the roses, I would give them a go. If you're moving kind of in the next week or two, what I would do is prune them back very severely. So go right back to within six or eight inches of ground level. So you're cutting back all new growth and everything, really cutting them back, dig them up, put them into pots and transplant them and replant them, ideally in over a couple of days. So don't leave them hanging around. Okay. Um, so I take them and and, and uh, try it anyway. Alternatively, what you could say to the new owner is that you might pop back for a few cuttings in June. Good idea. Or July. That's a good idea. Right? Yeah. And, you know, have that little bit of a deal with them that you can pop back, take a few cuttings off the plants. They'll root readily in uh, June, July, August, September, and you've got yourself some new plants. Now, what plants keep the midges and flies away on windowsills? You have mentioned them before. There's a couple that do that. Generally, they tend to be... Uh, go on. What were you going to say? I'm trying to remember. It's 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 the one that's like the eau de cologne, isn't it? it that's what it's called. Right, it's, yeah. There's a mint called eau de cologne, which, which has a very kind of a strong uh, scent off it. That works really well. Or you've got the lemon-scented geranium. geranium. Yeah. Um, or the, there's a geranium called orange zest, uh, which is very strong, orangey, citrus um, smell from the foliage. It's a great plant on a windowsill. It's in the geranium family, so it's dead easy to grow. It does flower as well. It produces purple lilac flower, but it's mainly grown for that lovely scented foliage. And uh, if you have it in a bright windowsill, it tends to excrete the scent itself. So midges, black, blue flies, they all dislike the scent of the lemon-scented geranium. And it's available in garden centres at the moment. So a good time to put it on your windowsill. Excellent. You can also... Uh, take the leaves you can use the leaves actually in drinks in uh, cocktails and various types of drinks I know you'd have no interest in that no none whatsoever um, but you could also you can actually crush the leaf as well put it into water and spray it use it as a little spray on surfaces as well and that helps keep the bugs away now our family in America sent us some mouse melon seeds okay interesting will they grow in mayo they will but they'll need to be grown in a greenhouse and uh, mouse, the, mouse melons. Yeah, they're they're really in the the same family as gherkins, or uh, ah. they produce tiny little watermelons. They're green in colour, um, they nearly remember or uh, resemble a small cucumber. So they're quite small, about four inches, five inches in length, about an inch in diameter. Um, but they need to be grown in the greenhouse. So take the seed now, sow it indoors. So get yourself a small pot or a margarine tin with just a few uh, holes in the bottom. Put a bit of compost. Stick in the the um, melon seed. Mm -hmm. Make sure the compost is moist but not too wet. Cover with a bit of cling film. They'll germinate in about a two-week period and keep them inside for certainly another month to grow on. Now, you can grow them on the windowsill if you wish or you can put them out into a conservatory, patio window, a greenhouse, somewhere sheltered, uh, um, plastic tunnel, somewhere like that. They'll need to be under a covered structure to grow. They'll produce their flowers in June and July and the fruit will start to set then August, September. So you'll be harvesting the young melons anytime from kind of early September, October sort of period. Sounds like so a well re worth, really interesting project. Yeah, well worth um, having a go with them. Now, a couple of questions on raised beds, Porrick. So I suppose firstly, uh, one or two people are wondering about replacing old compost and adding feed to the soil yeah. and then also um, vegetables that would be suitable for raised beds and somebody wondering, can they plant tomatoes in a raised bed? 
You can. Uh, now, tomatoes, again, are, are wind and frost sensitive, so don't put them out of doors just yet. Keep them inside, can be nurture them, bringing them on in a bright windowsill. Don't plant them out of doors till the middle of May. But you could use some of the tumbling varieties, which are very good, so a tumbling tom, which literally would trail out of the raised bed and, and do very well. Um, so that's certainly one to grow. There's a dwarf variety as well called totem, which is a short it only grows about a foot and a half, maybe two feet in height mm-hmm. and produces a nice strawberry or uh, tomatoes. So that would be perfect in a raised bed. But all the salad crops, so things like lettuce, onions, carrots, the short carrots can be used. Um, depending on the depth of the raised bed, you can even grow some early new potatoes. Spring cabbage like hispe could be planted. It's a small compact head planted now. It'll be ready in six weeks time. Uh, all the herbs can be grown in raised beds so parsley, thyme, rosemary all of those would be perfect oregano, marjoram ideal for a raised bed and really the trick with a raised bed is to put in plants that are going to crop fairly quickly like radish, beetroot that you're able to put in a second crop maybe in June so you keep the whole thing going and producing um, something for you right through the whole season strawberries could be grown in a raised bed as well replenishing the compost is a good idea to take off the top 4 to 6 inches and just get a good quality compost and fertilise or mix the two together and spread it back on the top of the area and that's really all there's to it the raised beds are a great way to you know they're easy to weed they're easy to maintain they're generally up at waist height mm-hmm. so you're not bending down and great way to grow good if you range. have back problems or anything like exactly. that exactly and you'll grow enough in, in 8 foot by 4 foot raised bed you'll grow enough plants in that to keep most households going because you know with most vegetable gardens we end up with too much produce and then we're wondering how are we going to get rid of it yeah, we'll put it on the compost yeah. for next year oh no 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 <laughs> uh, I have Japanese knotweed growing in a rough area of grass I know it spreads but how do I get rid of it now well it's just beginning to shoot now so it looks like asparagus at the moment it's got kind of foot long shoots on a, on um Japanese knotweed at the moment and it is a very invasive weed it will yeah. spread to other areas so good time to treat it I would give it a, probably another three to four weeks before you treat it and put on the SBK brushwood killer we mentioned it before for killing ivy it's very effective on Jap- Japanese knotweed as well so uh, mix it up in your sprayer apply it onto the foliage of the Japanese knotweed metal controllers uh, Somebody spot sprayed the lawn with Roundup and they're wondering did they have to reseed it? They do Now they may have spot treated it because sometimes um, if you get, say, scutch grass or wild meadow grass growing into a lawn, that's one of the treatments you can do to get rid of that grass. But by by spraying it with, with Roundup, obviously you're killing everything within that area. So what the listener needs to do is trim the lawn nice and tightly, get yourself some lawn seed now, some compost, mix the two together in, in a barrow, sprinkle it onto the area, brush it in with a yard brush and leave it alone and that'll germinate. The Roundup won't have contaminated the soil so there'll be no problem. You can sow this weekend. Once the grass has gone yellow or the area's gone yellow, just reseed it. But cut the, cut the lawn really tight and then put on the seed and the compost together. Lovely. I've been given a gift of camellias which don't do well in my limey soil. I've put them in pots with ericaceous compost. One of them seems to have the leaves curling up. Help, I don't want to offend the donor. Oh. Oh. <laughs> They'll be coming back to see how the camellias are doing. So look, at the listener's done the right thing. Ericaceous compost is the right compost to put camellias in. They do require regular feeding from now on. So if listeners that have camellias in their garden or in tubs and containers, this is the time to feed them as they're finishing flowering. So anytime kind of from late April, May, you feed them with a liquid feed. So if the listener gives it a couple of, of liquid feeds, 
it'll be perfectly fine. It'll produce nice fresh foliage and that curling of the leaf will go out of the leaf. Remember to put them into a reasonably sheltered spot so they they don't they dislike too much wind. So ideally they should be maybe up against a wall or in a relatively sheltered area um, and they'll do that that so much better. So nice sheltered area for them. Liquid feed them every fortnight from now on and make sure they don't dry out. They're a woodland plant so you need to keep them well watered. Now it's newly planted into the container so watering maybe every two to three weeks will be sufficient. Okay. Um, but it'll be perfectly fine. The listener's done exactly the right thing. And I mean another another listener, Tess, has a camellia, but it didn't flower. So she's just wondering, well, is there any well, particular reason for that? Camellias flower on the previous season's growth. Right. So however well it grows this summer determines how well it flowers next spring. So that's the point about feeding them well and feeding them from now every fortnight to three weeks up till September because the flower buds are actually produced in the autumn. So this coming autumn, the buds will be on the plant that open in the springtime. The same applies to rhododendrons and azaleas. They flower in the previous season's growth. So however well they grow during last summer determines how they flower this year. So if there's no blooms on it, nothing you can do at the moment is going to get that plant to flower. You need to feed it up with an ericaceous feed during this summer to encourage it to flower for, for next, next spring. Yeah. And finally, we're going to end on ants. I've noticed a massive infestation of small black ants' eggs in my seed trays of potting compost. The seeds didn't germinate. Wondering, did the ants eat them? Yeah, well, ants will. Ants will eat seedlings and they'll eat seed and, and they're, you know, they'll eat anything really that's there. And particularly at this time of year. So, yeah, that can be certainly a problem with ants. Now, generally when the plants are reasonably strong and, and they've germinated and they're growing, it's not as problematic. But wood lice and ants will feed off seeds or seedlings. Um, so, look, you, you either decide to, you can put down a controlled powder treatment to control them if you want. But remember that ants hoover up all the green fly in your greenhouse and all the bugs. And they are carnivorous, so they love to eat meat during the, the spring and summer. So they'll be feeding on all the bugs in your greenhouse. So I would leave them alone if possible. Sow the seeds maybe up on a, a table or in a raised area, or maybe start your seedlings off inside on a bright windowsill, get them started, and then put them out into the greenhouse. But once the plants are reasonably strong, the ants will have no interest in them. Right, they'll be, they'll be focusing on your bugs. So a colony of ants is not a bad thing to have in a, in a garden situation, particularly in a greenhouse, because they're going to hoover up all the green fly, all the bugs, white fly, all of that. They will feed on those during the summer months, as do wasps. Wasps, I know they get a bad name, but our yeah, wasps feed on aphids and green fly and rose bugs and all that right through the summer they're carnivorous yeah. they feed on pests that's I, I, I've actually had noticed two wasps this week already queens they're queens yeah, yeah they they're the big. queens yeah. they're often in the house you'll often get them in velux windows they'll they be were, bigger they were that's in the house. big you say yes yeah. yeah. so the queen is always bigger so that's the fertile queen she's now going to go off set up a nest and that's where you get your wasp but wasps do they feed on bugs in the garden it's something people often forget they actually are beneficial in the garden I know they're nasty in September and October mm. but they do a lot of good as do ants as well they okay. feed on garden pests OK lovely we're going to leave it there Porrick It's been a pleasure Thank you very much indeed and remember I'll stick the uh, the ground covering plants up on the, my Facebook account and also on the Twitter if people want to take a look at them OK Happy Easter Have very happy Easter and, and we'll see you next Saturday Happy gardening to everybody over the bank holiday weekend uh, Standby Michael Neary is coming your way directly after the news at 10 which is on the way next with Angelina Nugent from me until next Saturday A very good morning to you